If you could turn in your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 2, we will be reading through verses 7 through 17, which is a rather lengthy section, but we'll actually be spending most of our time unpacking just verse 8. If I get the opportunity to preach again, I would love to come back and unpack the rest. But I think we must spend our Lord's Day seeing how verse 8 informs our understanding of this entire section. So please give ear to the reading of God's holy and inspired word, starting in verse 7 of 1 John chapter 2. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world, and the world is passing away, along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God abides forever. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your true light is already shining. And I ask you now that you send your spirit to illumine us so we may better see and understand your word. And we ask this in the assurance that Jesus Christ gives us, and in his name we pray. Amen. So if you're anything like me, which I hope you're not, <laughs> but if you're anything like me, the, the passage this morning might seem a little disjointed, a little hard to follow. It's broken up into four sections. Uh, our passage this morning begins with John talking about an old but new commandment. John then gives this hypothetical scenario about loving or hating your brother. He then jumps into this repetitive, I am writing to you section, and he closes with a direct command, do not love the world. So if you find it challenging to follow John's argument or his line of reasoning, you're not alone. However, these four sections are actually uh, parts of one larger section, and that's why I wanted to read the whole section with you. And part of the evidence for this being one large section is John's opening address to us in verse 7 when he says, Beloved, John loves. 
to start new sections or introduce main ideas by making direct addresses. But the bigger evidence that this is one large section is that there's a theological theme or motif that can be heard resonating throughout the entire passage. And this, this theme, this theological theme is found in verse 8, wherein he says, a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So as I said earlier, this, this whole sermon really is just an unpacking of the theology found in, in verse 8. And then we're going to be seeing what this new commandment is and how our understanding of this new commandment really furnishes the rest of the section. And we want to focus there because understanding the old commandments is relatively straightforward. It's one of the things I love about reading John. For all the deep, profound thoughts that he has, he writes on a level that everyone can understand what he means. During our last time together in 1 John, we, we saw how the apostle had finished by saying, we know we have come to know Jesus if we keep his commandments. But at the time, we saw also that John never tells us which commandment he had in mind. He gives us a hint in verses 5 through 6 when he says, whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. So clearly, love is at the very heart of whatever this commandment is, but no specific commandment is given. So as we approach verse 7 then, John wants to assure you it's an old commandment. He's not introducing something new or foreign. You've had this commandment from the beginning. Now, whether John means that this means the beginning of time itself or the beginning of your Christian walk is not his point. His point is that this is an old commandment that you've heard, you've had, you know it. It's close to you. He's painting a word picture. And this, this word picture captures the idea that we find in Deuteronomy chapter 30. In Deuteronomy 30, Moses is speaking to the Israelites, and he says, For this commandment that I command you today is not far off, it is not in heaven, neither is it beyond the sea, but the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you can do it. So John's picking up on this idea that this old commandment is well known to you. It's close to you. John isn't trying to hide what he's doing. He's not trying to introduce anything new. He's assuming you know what he means. It's the commandment to love. The context of verses 9 through 11, and again in verse 15, prove this point. The old commandment is love. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. <laughs> love your brother. The commandment to love is, is near to us. It's in our mouths, and our hearts. And the Old Testament commands the people of God to love repeatedly. So that's straightforward, but then we get tripped up a bit as we approach verse 8, when John says, at the same time, it is a new commandment. He says, it's true in him, it's true in Jesus, and it's true in you. Well, in what sense does Jesus make this commandment new? In what sense does he make it true in himself and in you? I love the Dr. Seussical rhymes that you can do when you're preaching through John. But, so we want to understand what is new about this commandment. And the reason why I want to spend time delving into this topic is that far too often, we move way too fast as we try to understand Scripture. Many commentators, as they approach this verse, they, they rightly reference Jesus' words in John 13, wherein Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. 
Now, these words of Jesus certainly reverberate throughout all of John's letter. And many commentators rightly say that Jesus' life and death changed the way we understand love. Jesus' life and death set the example of what love is. And commentators rightly say that the Apostle John proves this in verse 316 of his letter when he says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. All this is yes and amen. That is certainly part of what this means, uh, this new commandment means. Certainly, the coming of Christ to earth constitutes a new dimension, a new perspective, a new understanding of the old law to love. And certainly, Jesus did set a good example. But brothers and sisters, when John says the commandment is new and true in him and in you, he has something much bigger, something much more life-changing, world-changing than a mere good example. Because if all Jesus had done was set a new example, he would have no authority or power to make anything new. If Jesus had only come to set a new example for the old law to love, we'd be in big trouble because we'd still be in our sins. So we need to take time to unpack what is new about this old commandment to love. Understanding how Jesus made the old commandment new and true in us lays the foundation not only for this section, but for the rest of John's letter. And we see, uh, as we unpack, there's, there's, there's three things we need to catch. First, we need to catch that Jesus makes the old law new by establishing a totally new covenant. Second, Jesus makes the old law new and true in us by applying the new covenant promises to us. And then we, we'll get to see how John takes these truths and he makes them practical and applies them to our lives based on the new covenant. So we're going to unpack this together. We'll do it step at a time. First, let's look at how Jesus makes the old law new by establishing an entirely new covenant. Because you can't understand the newness of the old law if you don't start with understanding what was old about it. And as we look to the old law, the old covenant, the old law to love, these were hand in glove. In the old covenant, the old law to love was written. Makes sense. But in the old covenant, we, we see that life and blessing were promised to you if you could keep the old law. Now, the law in the old covenant was written on stone. It was written on stone. It was near and close to them, as Moses says in Deuteronomy 30. God had clearly revealed his law and his will and had recorded it for his people. And so, in Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20, Moses calls out. He says, I call on heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life, that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. That's a powerful picture. Here's Moses standing before the people upon the mountain saying, choose life, love God, obey his commandments. His commandments are near and close to you. They're in your mouth so that you may keep them. And within this covenant, God lays out path of life and blessing and the path of death and curse. But if you love God, if you obey him, you choose life. You will be blessed. So the old covenant then was good. And the law written on stone was holy and righteous. Within the old covenant law is recorded that old law to love and the commandment to love is good. If you keep the law to love, 
life and blessing were promised to you. All of this, very good. But as we read in Hebrews 8, the old covenant was not without fault. Why? Because the old covenant could not give help to a people whose hearts were sold to sin. And these sinful Israelites, as we know the story, did not keep the law to love. The old covenant could not help them. It could not deliver on the promise of life and blessing because the people could not keep it. Moses said the law was near to them so that they could keep it, but you know the story. The Israelites did not, and indeed could not, choose life, love, and obedience. And so the old law to love, which had promised life, proved to be death for Israel. The Israelite people, instead of keeping the old law to love, stumbled on it. They twisted and abused the old law to love for their own selfish gain. I think a great example of this actually comes from the New Testament, when we look at the religious leaders in Caiaphas, as they're thinking, how do we deal with Jesus, this person, this rabble-rouser? And Caiaphas says, isn't it better to put him to death for the good of the nation? And so they use the laws of the old covenant, the good laws of the old covenant. They twist and abuse the laws of blasphemy in order to put the lawgiver himself to death. And Caiaphas saying that it's the right thing to put an innocent man to death, he's thinking this is the right thing to do. This is probably the loving thing to do. I got to protect an entire nation of people. The loving thing to do is to put an innocent man to death. And so the old law to love was twisted and abused, and the prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 8, 14 was fulfilled, which says, he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel. The old covenant, it was good. The old law to love was good, but its demands for perfect obedience and love could not be kept by sinful people, and sinful people used it for sinful ends. I hope you're beginning to see why a good example is not good enough. If all Jesus had done was set a new example for this old law to love, we'd be in a world of trouble because the old law to love within the old covenant would prove to be death for us too. If it remained unchanged and if we remained unchanged, we would remain condemned. The old law to love was good and promised life, but our old selves who are of the flesh and sold under sin stand condemned by the old law to love. Our old selves cannot keep the old law to love. This is straight out of Romans 7. This is Romans 7 theology. If all Jesus had done was set a new example, then we would still be under condemnation of that law. But thanks be to God, Jesus didn't come to merely set a good example. Jesus came to make all things new, including the old law and you. And so we can begin to examine together how Jesus makes the old commandment new and true in himself and in you. Jesus does this by applying the new covenant promises to us. And so we can look at the new covenant. We can look at what Jesus did. And we see that Jesus, with his life, perfectly kept the old covenant law. And by his death and blood, obtained a new covenant ministry, much more excellent than the old. In Jeremiah, we, we see this description of the new covenant in chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, where Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 
And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. So in the new covenant, if you believe and trust in Christ, your sins are forgiven. You truly and fully know God, and the law is written on your heart. In the old covenant, the law was written on stone, near and close, but on stone, external from yourself. But in the new, the law is on your heart. It's not just near and close, but in you. If those things are true in Christ and in you, then this has vast world and life-changing implications because Jesus then not only kept the old law to love, he not only earned the righteousness and life that was promised by the old covenant, but he now gives you that righteousness and life. In Romans 8, we read, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Did you catch that? Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law so that it might be fulfilled in us. Do not miss this. The old law to love is now new because it was fulfilled for us and now fulfilled in us. We are accounted as righteous not because we earned that righteousness, not because we kept the old law, but because what Jesus did, because he kept the law and he gives us his righteousness. And that's so much greater than just a good example. Jesus accomplished righteousness in life through keeping the law and he gives us that righteousness in life which he accomplished. The old law to love could never do that, but Jesus can and did. The old covenant in the law could never make us perfect, but Jesus, by his sacrifice, can and did. Now, in our life, we do not act perfectly, but when the Father looks upon you, he sees the perfect law to love fulfilled in Christ. He sees that fulfilled, and he sees it on you. He sees Christ's perfect righteousness. Not just a good example, but he sees his Son. That is good news. But there's more. The new covenant also promised that we would receive God's spirit so that we may obey God's law. And we read the verse earlier this morning for the assurance of pardon. We read out of uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, but it's worth rereading. It's that good. In Ezekiel 36 verses 26 through 27, we hear, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. In the new covenant, Jesus also promises to give us a new and living heart. And we also see the promise of the Holy Spirit, which will come to dwell within us and cause us to obey the law to love. And Jesus, this mediator and savior of this new covenant, applies this promise to us when he sends the Holy Spirit to be our helper. This is so important. This entire package is so important that it's worth repeating. The old law to love was good. The old covenant was good. But it had no power to give the promises of life and blessing. The old law to love could only condemn us. But Jesus fulfilled the requirements 
of the old law. And by his sacrifice on the cross, he established the new covenant, which promises life, righteousness, and blessing through faith in Jesus Christ. So if you have faith in Jesus Christ, the old law to love is now written on your hearts, not on stone, but in your hearts. You have been made clean by his blood. Jesus gives you his perfect righteousness, his perfect record of law-keeping, and on top of that, he gives you the Holy Spirit so that you may walk in love. That's so much better than a good example. Can you not see and feel how this is so much better than a good example? This is life-giving. This is joy-inducing. This is love-promoting power that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ, making the old commandment new and true in you through Jesus Christ. Jesus has established the new covenant, given you a new heart full of new love, and through the outpouring of his spirit, Jesus is bringing new life to you and this world. Jesus, before our very eyes, is fulfilling the greater eschatological prophecy of Isaiah 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Or as John puts it in verse 8, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. This is the power of the old commandment's love made new and true in Jesus and in you. Jesus is literally breaking into this world of darkness, shining his new light and bringing new life. The newness of the old commandment is not just a good example. It is the power of Jesus who from upon his throne in heaven declares, behold, I am making all things new. What a glorious savior. This is why we unpack verse eight. But I promised that if we understand verse eight and understand the old yet new commandment to love, it actually helps us understand the rest of the passage. So let's turn our attention to see how John begins to practically apply this theology to your life. So starting in verse 9, John presents that hypothetical situation. He says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Such a person can talk the talk, but he cannot walk the walk. The world-changing power of the old law to love made new and true has not penetrated this person's heart. On him, the light has not shone. He remains in darkness. But whoever, John says in verse 10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. The old law to love could be twisted, manipulated, and abused by sinful people for sinful ends. People could stumble over their attempts to love. But those in the new covenant will not stumble as they seek to keep the law because the law is now on their hearts and the Holy Spirit is now at work within them to help them obey. But for the one who hates his brother, they remain in darkness. John says they dwell in darkness. The light of Christ has not shone on them. They are blind. They do not know where they are going. Without Christ, they, they don't know how to love. And this far, thus far in the letter, all of this talk is very black and white. John speaks in this black and white language in black and white terms, which can cause people to sometimes doubt, am I truly saved? After all, none of us can walk perfectly as Jesus walked. None of us can love as Jesus loved. But in verses 12 through 14, John begins to apply these new covenant promises to his readers to assure them that he has no doubts about their salvation. 
In verses 12 through 14, John attributes to his readers the new covenant promises of forgiveness and knowledge of God. And John wants you to know that these promises are now realities, true in Christ and in you. In verse 12, he says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. This forgiveness, this knowing God, these were the promises of Jeremiah chapter 31 that we read. It bears repeating. In Jeremiah 31, he says, No longer shall each teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. John has no doubt that these new covenant promises are now realities in you because of what Christ has done. And so with this unshakable foundation of assurance based on Christ's work and Christ's covenant, John in verse 15 gives a command, do not love the world or the things in the world. John quickly clarifies what he means in verse 16, saying that love of the world and the things in the world means the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. You see, without the new covenant realities, applied to us from the Father through Christ, as I've said before, we can twist and abuse the old law to love. We could think we are loving when, in fact, we are loving ourselves. And so, again, we come to Caiaphas, who justified killing Jesus for the good of the people. In reality, though, Caiaphas and the other religious rulers, they were only worried that the Romans would come and take away their nation. Their affections and their attention was set on earthly things. They thought they were keeping the law to love when in fact they were breaking it and putting to death the lawgiver himself. And so they did not really love, but they remained blind and in the darkness. But for us, in whom the old law to love has been made new and true, we know that this world and its darkness are passing away along with its desires With the new law to love written on our hearts, we have been given eyes to see the new light and life of Christ. So instead of focusing our attention and affection on this transitory world, we instead turn our focus to the eternal promises accomplished for us by Christ in the new covenant, which is new life on the new heavens and the new earth. And we are given this beautiful reminder by John that whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so I hope, dear saints, that this morning has given you a new understanding of everything Jesus has done for you, and that you will take to heart the beautiful truths of this new covenant, of this old command made new and true in you, that you will see how Jesus has fulfilled the command to love in you and how the Holy Spirit is working in your heart so that you may keep the commandment, and that through Jesus you will abide forever. But if you are listening this morning and you have not believed in Jesus Christ, be warned. You may think and claim you are walking and abiding in the light. You may believe that you are loving. You may look at yourself and believe you are not guilty of breaking the command to love. But be warned. Apart from Christ, you cannot keep the law to love. You do not have the power or ability in yourself to keep the rigorous and demanding perfection that the old law to love demands. And without that exacting level of perfection, you remain in darkness. 
you remain condemned, you remain blind, and you will pass away along with the world and all that is in the world. So if you have not believed in Jesus Christ, I implore you today to do so. Believe that Jesus lived and perfectly kept the law to love. Believe that Jesus suffered the law's punishment and curse, which you rightly deserved, but he took it for you at the cross. Believe that Jesus rose again from the dead, bringing new life in his new resurrected body, and believe that through Jesus, you can partake in all the blessings and promises of the new covenant. Believe by faith, and you can know your sins are truly forgiven. Believe by faith, and you can truly and fully know God, and you can know that you will abide forever. This is the promise of the gospel. Repent and believe. And with all the saints, rejoice in knowing that the old command to love has been made new and true in you through Jesus Christ. Let us pray. We thank you, Father, that though we are the, the most undeserving, that you have sent your Son to accomplish and fulfill the righteous requirements of the law, and then to give us a world of new life, of blessing and promise, so that we may dwell in eternal light with you. We give you the praise in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.